You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I wonder what you think about the world's current perception or perception of who Jesus is. I wonder what you think about the world's perception of who Jesus is. Uh, I found it really interesting. Only just uh, this past week, uh, the New South Wales government, uh, they have a new premier, of course. Um, And what did they want to comment on most? Uh, Was it his outstanding resume? Was it all of his work experience? The thing that they really wanted to comment on most, wasn't it, was his faith. It was his association with Jesus, wasn't it? Now, I find that really interesting because not only were they commenting most on his faith, were they positive comments? Were they, were they comments that were to lift this up, this man who was going to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and seeing the, the blessing of God upon all of the state of New South Wales? Were those positive things? Not really. There's a perception in our world right now, or even at least in the West, that to, uh, to bring Jesus into your life or to, to have an association with Jesus, you know what, that's, ah, that's not going to be good for you. You know, that's going to crush your choice. Say goodbye to all of your freedoms. That's going to interrupt your life. 
I feel like that is the common perception of Jesus that we have today, isn't it? Now, I wonder what that means uh, for all of us as a church that is not only wanting to know Jesus, but also make Jesus known. I wonder what goes through your heart and through your mind when you have an opportunity to share Jesus. I wonder what your maybe preconceived idea is of, of what it is that you're actually sharing. Is Are you going to be sharing a message that's going to bring life to this person? Or are you concerned that it's going to inconvenience this person? It's really interesting for us to think about that, to think about how the world even shapes our view of who Jesus is. Um, and today actually is a really helpful encounter for us to see uh, someone's perception of Jesus, an assumption of Jesus, and to see what happens in this man's life through this encounter, because this is a man who goes from a very negative perception. He actually starts by saying, Jesus, don't torment me. He begs him, Jesus, don't torment me. That's an assumption. That's a perception that Jesus isn't going to bring life. Jesus is going to bring hindrance. But then we get to the end of our encounter. We get to the end of our reading. And what do we see him then say? He begs him, Jesus, don't leave me. It's a beautiful encounter. It's a wonderful encounter, and I want us to see what changes in this man's perceptions, what changes in this man's life for him to go from Jesus, don't torment me, to Jesus, don't leave me. Uh, two main headings I want us to think about as we think, think, look at this encounter today. Uh, the first one is I want us to see what this man learns about the true identity of Jesus. And then I want us to think about and see what this, how this man lives out the true message of Jesus. We're going to see what he learns about the true identity of Jesus, and then we're going to see how he lives out the true message of Jesus. First, let's see what he learns about the true identity of Jesus. The true identity of Jesus. Uh, if you've got your Bible open, uh, keep it open with me. Uh, the, Incidentally, this passage is an absolute cracker for the way that you would uh, sort of normally do gospel community. The, those common questions will really, uh, will really crack this one open. I uh, certainly uh, commend that to you. Um, but let's open up and let's see the first real big statement as to Jesus' true identity. It opens up, verse 26. So Jesus, he's in the boat with the disciples and he this is just after he's calmed the storm so a little bit of context the disciples have this new big vision of who jesus is 26 they sail then they sail to the country of the gerasenes which is opposite galilee okay when jesus had stepped out on land there met a man from the city who had demons for a long time he wore no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, listen to this, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? See, really interesting in this encounter is actually we see there's a number of, there's a, this demon-possessed man has, it seems, a couple of voices, a couple of ways of speaking. Uh, we actually don't 
get quotation marks for when the demons themselves speak. It just references what they say. We do get this man speaking in what seems to be under the uh, knowledge that the demons bring. And we also get this man speaking when he doesn't have the demons. Right now, he's speaking in a way that seems to have this added revelation from what the demons are doing in his heart. And he says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I think this is a perception that's been given to him from these fallen angels. So ironically, the first time we see, we hear this title of Jesus is back at the start of Luke, in Luke chapter 1. It's not a fallen angel that says it. It's a, it's a messenger angel to Mary. You will have a baby. Luke one thirty two. you will have a baby and he will be called great. He will be called son of the most high God. Son of the most high God. How amazing is this? The first revelation we get into the identity of Jesus is Son of the Most High God. Church, listen to that. Son of the Most High God. Don't let society tell you that Jesus was just a mere man. Son of the Most High God. Don't let society tell you that Jesus was uh, uh, an an allegory or an illustration or a made-up metaphor. Son of the Most High God. Don't let, Jesus, don't let society tell you that Jesus was a, a common hallucination from these 12 wacko disciples. No, son of the most high God. This man gets his first revelation as to the true identity of Jesus, son of the most high God. This is our Jesus, son of the most high God. Big, big revelation, son of the most high God. So now we get this little insight into who Jesus is and in terms of the first revelation of his name, we then get to see a little bit of a revelation of who is his identity in what he does, in what he does. Have a look with me, verse 32. Verse 31. The demons, they begged him, They begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them, I love this word, permission. Permission. He gave them permission. Think about this encounter right now. So we have this sort of a little side note encounter. Jesus with these demons, okay? They are on their... I don't know, spiritual demonic knees begging the son of the most high God, do not, don't let us pass into the abyss. Don't judge us now, Jesus. Not yet. Okay, we know we're on the wrong team. Don't put us into the abyss just yet. Just oh, like we've looked at when Jesus encountered Satan, just put us in the pigs. Put us in the pigs. Just... And then what, what does Jesus do? He has to give them permission. How good's that? This is Jesus, all authority on heaven and earth, and he's giving demons permission. They're begging him. The evil, the most evil thing that you can think about in this world, when this world like caricatures evil, you know, the little demon on a shoulder, you know, darkness, you know, you think about metal punk bands and all those things that want to represent evil and like, we're so bad. Demons, they need Jesus' permission to do anything. They need his permission. How good is that? 
Understand the true identity of your Lord and Saviour and demons, the most evil thing that we think has this great power in this world, they need Jesus' permission. They need his permission. Um, I'm reminded here of a, just a, I love this story. So, um, Joash, I'm going to steal this sermon analogy from you because you're probably going to save this up one day, but I'm taking it. This is the time. Uh, so, uh, we all know and love uh, little Noah Belusov in our church family. What a legend, hey? Um, future theologian, um, he's going to plant city on a hill. I don't know, what, where's he going to go? Lawn, we're going to go, we're going to make tracks down there? All right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll save that one for you, Noah. Um, so we're talking about, uh, this, the story goes that we're talking about uh, the way that, uh, you know, p- people who can be, you know, they, they can be possessed by a demon, right? This man, in this context, he's, he's got demons within, within him. And... And Noah, so beautifully, quite simply, it's just like, well, well, if you're a Christian, you can't, you can't have demons in you. You can't. There's no room. There's no room. The Holy Spirit's in there. You can't. Have, a Christian cannot be demon possessed. There's no room. If you love Jesus, if you treasure in your heart Jesus, if you, if you have confessed your sin and repented from your old life and are following after Jesus, if you are sorry for your old life and look forward to a new life with Jesus, you, if you say Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has taken up residence in your heart and there is no room for demonic possession for a person that is a Christian that is a genuine follower of Jesus. Hear that today, Christian, because there's brands of Christianity that will tell people in churches if there's some sort of depression or, or, or something that's overcoming their life, oh, yeah, well, you've got a demon. We're going to have to cast that one out, aren't we? Rubbish. If that person genuinely loves Jesus and has received the Holy Spirit and is living life after him, that is not that we, we don't need to do an exorcism. We will still pray for them. We will care for them. We will listen to them. We will read the Bible with them and we will commit them to God. But they don't have a demon possession in their life no there's no room for that demons need permission from jesus and they already know that they are under his rule and authority don't they don't send us into the abyss they already know they're judged they already know they're on the losing team and this man legion gets a taste of that in this second identity marker of jesus how good son of the most high god has authority over demons and evil spirits uh side note here just uh quickly after these first two good to notice too demons have pretty good theology son of the most high god they know they know how to talk to jesus don't they they know how to talk so that's why we need to be we need to be really careful as christians who it is that we listen to and we're going to make sure that they also are walking the walk we have to make sure that the people that we know as christian brothers and sisters or leaders or pastors or podcasters or famous preachers does their life reflect their doctrine take note of that thirdly though what this man he we're thinking about his encounter with jesus that takes him from begging jesus don't torment me to don't leave me what is the third thing that we see about his encounter with jesus and jesus's true identity what is it that we see here well we see the effect that jesus has on his life And we see actually who Jesus is to this man. Jesus doesn't oppress this man. Jesus doesn't remove all this choice away from this man. Jesus doesn't like press him down and try to conform him into this mold. Look at what Jesus does for this man. 
verses 34 and 35. So at this point, demons are out. Demons gone. In the pigs. In the water. They did. And then the herdsmen come. Like, where are my pigs gone? And this is what they find. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they, fl- they fled and told the city and the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened. Like, really? Your pigs ran down the mountain? Whatever. Anyway. Then they came to Jesus and they found the man whom the demons had gone. They found the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. What do we learn about the true identity of Jesus? Jesus comes to give life, to give life to the full. Jesus comes to give rest, to restore. We see here in just these two little verses, Jesus is a healer, he's a rescuer, he's a liberator, and he's a teacher. And he does this to the most outcast person you could even imagine. How good. How good. Like, Think about this for a moment. Like, uh, sometimes we might think that we or our friends might be too far gone for the, inter, for, the, uh, for, the, for the interruption that Jesus could have in their life. Oh, no, they're too far gone. But look, t- let me tell you this. Unless you are, uh, unless, you know, you're, you're regularly, you know, this, this guy, he's doing nudie runs in a graveyard, okay? All right? Now, I think I know some of you, most of you pretty well. I, I don't see that in any of you. For those of you podcasting, um, I don't want to get that photo. But look who Jesus is. Rescuer, liberator, teacher, and to the most outcast. There's no one too far gone. Jesus can come in. He has authority over sin, Satan, and death. He can rescue you. He can give you a new life. He can clothe you. He can teach you. This is what Jesus comes to do. I mean, imagine if the world actually knew this version of Jesus. They sit back and they think, oh, yeah, you know, you Christians, you followers of Jesus. Oh, yeah, well, you, all, you, all you do is like you, you, you're obeying a bunch of rules and you're a bunch of boring idiots. That's not the Jesus I read in the Bible. Let Jesus speak for himself. He's incredible. He's amazing. Who doesn't want to hang out with Jesus? You can understand a little bit more now why this man is moved from Don't torment me to don't leave me. And then lastly, um, we see here, uh, I love this little uh, flex that Luke makes as he writes this gospel. I love this little nod, this little triune nod that he gives to us as his readers. Um, Us today and O Theophilus, when he first read this letter, we see in verse 39, a beautiful little description of who Jesus is in his true identity. Verse 39, we read, Jesus says, return to your home, speaking to the man, return to your home and tell them how much God has done for you. And he, the man, went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus is God. Jesus is the great God-man, God incarnate, God in flesh, the image of the invisible God. Jesus has entered in. God has entered into his creation to rescue, to bring comfort, to bring rest, to liberate, to clothe. 
to bring life, to take us out of the graveyard and, and throw us back into the cities, to herald and proclaim and bear witness to the person and work of Jesus, who is God. Jesus is God. And Luke gives us in this beautiful little verse 39, this little interchangeable wording of Jesus and God. And the man knows it as well, doesn't he? His experience bears witness to what has happened. Jesus says to him, go and tell you all that God has done. And the guy's like, guys, look at what Jesus has done. Jesus is God. And that's really good news. Because when you know the God of the Bible, we know that he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's kind, compassionate, merciful, forgiving those who turn to him in repentance and faith. Jesus is God. And he comes to this man, and after this man sees these beautiful identity markers of Jesus, son of the most high God, all authority in heaven and earth, the one who comes to liberate, the one who is God. That is what takes this man from saying, don't torment me. It's what crushes his original perception of Jesus and turns it into a true representation of Jesus, which is, don't leave me. Do you know this Jesus? Do you want to get to know this Jesus more? We can. We are today. We are right now. But don't save it just for Sunday. Don't save it just for Wednesday after Wednesday evening. Make it your every day. Make it your every day. Soak in his word. Cry out to him in prayer. Sing songs of praise. Look for him in all of creation. He made it. Everything, like Paul writes to the Philippian church, whatever is, whatever is beautiful, whatever is excellent, whatever is perfect, whatever is true, think about these things. When I hear him say that, it's like he's saying, whatever you find in creation that you just like go, oh man, that's so good. Like maybe it's a chocolate milkshake. Maybe it's like a beautiful steak. Sorry, vegans. Beautiful steak. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's being able to stand out at Torquay Point and look out at the ocean. Beautiful offshore wind, two, three foot, peeling right to left. And you go, that is a reflection of the God that I know that, that bears witness to his beauty and his creativity and his majesty and also his love to create something so amazing that reflects his character. And then he's like, I want you to call me father. And I give you these things to you as a gift. And I'm calling you home. Think about these things. So this man, Jesus, this man, excuse me, this man goes from saying to Jesus, don't torment me to don't leave me. And the first half we've thought about so far is that he, sa he says this because he learns about the true identity of Jesus. Okay, He learns of the true identity of Jesus. But not only that, he's also living out the true message of Jesus in this encounter as well. He's not only understanding some things intellectually, but he actually goes through something experientially as well. There's an intimacy to this encounter that this man also feels that then helps him understand who Jesus truly is. 
Okay. What we want to think out here is as we look at this whole story, if we zoom right out, we look from the start to the end, this man's encounter, this, the entire thing is a gospel encounter. The whole of this, the whole of this little account from Jesus from verses 26 to 39 is an illustration of the gospel that this man lives out and we get a view of it. So what I want to do is I want to work through and show you how this man experiences the gospel for us to see the gospel so that we also can experience the gospel. We know the gospel, it's the good news that God saves sinners through the person and work of Jesus. Okay, He gives us eternal life through, the, through faith in Jesus. It's not what we do. It's not what we earn or deserve. We believe and we receive. It's through the person and work of Jesus. And this whole encounter is an illustration of the gospel. Check it out. First thing we see in this whole story, Jesus makes a very specific trip to this dude and then he leaves. Like he crosses the sea, demon-possessed man. Yep. Bye. A very specific trip. Jesus seeks this guy out. This is amazing. Like all the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-amazing, all-loving God. And he's like, he gets the disciples in the boat. We've got to cross the lake. Now, like, they, and they go through a storm, right? Like, it's, it's not an easy journey. It's just like, row, row, row your boat. We're there. Do some work in the row, row boat back. Like, they have to get all the way over this massive thing. Jesus makes an, an intentional effort to go. There's someone there who is mine, and I'm going to go and get him. That is the message of the gospel. That is... Is, that, is a, that, is a, that it is an insight into the gospel because God looks at the destitute state of our world. He looks at how broken it is. He looks at how screwed up we all are. He looks at how we're messing about in the tombs of the dead, running around blind, naked, deaf, and dumb. And he makes a specific trip to save all of us, doesn't he? And if you don't know Jesus yet, he makes a specific trip to save you. The reason you're listening to this right now is so that you can hear the gospel message that God is seeking you. He's made a specific trip to you. And that starts by celebrating Christmas, right? God comes down, in, puts on flesh, enters in onto the, hum, onto the stage of human history. He doesn't stand back and say, you guys figure it out. He's like, those guys are so stuffed. I've got to go in there and do, deal with it. I'm gonna, he's, he's, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. He seeks after those who are his children. Beautiful, beautiful insight and this is what this man experiences, this gospel revelation that God, Jesus, pursued him. And if you're a Christian, it's because God pursued you. Beautiful. Second, insight into the gospel that this man experiences that we can look at now. It's by Jesus' power alone acting upon this man's life that he's saved, isn't it? What does this guy do to be saved? Nothing. He starts by saying, Jesus, please leave. <laughs> but Jesus, he confronts the evil, doesn't he? He's not, he's not swayed by our preconceived ideas and our messed up assumptions of who Jesus is. Jesus, he goes in and he confronts the, the evil and he gets rid of it. He deals with it. And in this case, it's calling the demons out and saying, get into the pigs and then still dealing with them, which is pretty cool. It's just, you know, bait and switch, Jesus. Go, Jesus. But he deals with the evil. 
He doesn't say to this demon-possessed man, he doesn't say, all right, look, uh, look, mate, so you've got some demons here, so what I need you to do is uh, just head down, to your local, uh, head down to your local church, make sure you do a whole lot of really good works, and um, do you know, maybe you should you know, give, give a certain amount of money, you probably should do some volunteering. Um, yeah, you gotta say, uh, you probably should do, yeah, oh, hold on, mate, uh, do you have a pen? We're gonna write some of this stuff down. No! The free gift of life to this man. And that is the message of the Bible. That is the Christian message, unlike all other religions. It's not do enough and earn yourself so you look good in front of this so-called God. It's you'll never be able to do enough. But God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. How good, how good. Jesus' power alone. The man simply goes along for the ride. Let's look at some of these other aspects of the gospel that we see in this passage that this man lives out to take him from, go away, please stay. He's clothed, isn't he? He's clothed. This man is is not only liberated from his demonic possession. He's not only liberated from evil. He's not only put on like ground zero. Like Jesus could have taken the demon out and he could have just like left him. Still naked. But he's clothed. He gives him, there's somewhere, there's, there's clothing placed on this man. And, and this man is, is he's now, he's, 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 he's now able to sit in the company of others He's clothed. And that's what in the gospel we get from from Jesus as well. We don't only get a blank slate. We don't only get all of our sin washed away and all of our messed up thinking and life dealt with so that we can stand before God as like neutral person. We stand before God as righteous person. Jesus clothes us with his righteousness so that we can stand before God completely confident. We don't stand before God like Adam, neutral, wait and see if I, oh, don't, which way am I going to go? We stand before God as, and he looks upon us and he sees the person and work of Jesus. It's what theologians call the great exchange. That Jesus takes away our sin from us and puts it on him and takes it to the cross and dies. And in its place, He gives us his resume of righteous, his kingly robes, and he places that on our shoulders. He says, I'm giving this to you because I love you so much. I'm taking you home. Have this. It's from me, clothed in the righteous deeds of Christ. How good. So this man is liberated. He's, He's sought out. He's liberated. He's clothed. And what else? He's also placed in and he's given, he's also, t- sorry, he's also taken from, a, taken from the tombs of death and he's placed into a community of life, isn't he? He's taken from the tombs of death and he's placed into the community of life. We see, we saw in verses, excuse me, 34 and 39, that the people of the village found this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he'll be sitting there with the disciples that are on the boat with Jesus. Jesus teaching. It's a posture of learning. He's now in this community of fellowship with Jesus Christ and his disciples, a new family. It's beautiful. It's what Jesus, through the gospel, does for us. The good news of of what Jesus is doing in this world is he's taking people from darkness into his glorious light. He's taking people from communities of dead-endness 
and lifelessness and let's just keep trying to do this and maybe it'll work outness. He takes us out of that and he puts us into a community of, of fellow brothers and sisters to start a relationship here, the church. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ that goes on for eternity. I mean, you can be a part of a footy club, a car club, a knitting club. You can have all these things. But look, unless you have Jesus, that finishes when you die. And you don't continue on with those people. Maybe you knitted a nice scarf with someone, but you're not taking that with you. Jesus, he puts us into fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all so darn different. Just so darn beautiful. Because I wouldn't normally hang out with all of you guys. But the thing that brings us together is the thing that matters most. The thing that holds us together is the thing that matters most. And we see this is what Jesus does to this man. He takes him from the tombs of death and puts him into a community of life. And he's done that for us. He can do that for you if you respond to Jesus. Take you out of a lifeless community of false friends and pretense and he can put you into a gospel community. One that is bound up with love and mercy and grace. And yes, we all stuff up. We don't have it all figured out. You know, look at your pastor for crying out loud. We all, we can't, we all, but we all stand on this level ground at the foot of the cross. And we all understand that yes, we all were once sinners and we, we wrestle with that and we're gonna make mistakes. But you know what? We're all on a journey together, seeking after Christ. And because he's forgiven us, we can forgive each other. Because we know that we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. You know, we've used this language before. You know, some of us are first-year apprentices of Jesus. Some of us are third-year apprentices of Jesus. None of us have graduated. That's the final day. But the fourth years help the second years and the first years. Encourage the fourth years. They're like, oh, man, check out. John signed up. He's on Team Jesus now. Awesome. How can I encourage him? <clears throat> he takes him out of the tombs of death and puts him into community of life. And lastly, importantly, the other aspect of the gospel that we see is that not only has Jesus sought this man out, not only has he liberated him, not only has he clothed him, not only has he placed him into a community of life, but he's also given him a purpose for his life, hasn't he? He's also given him a purpose for his life. This man is told to stay and bear witness to the town that he's in. He's like, Jesus, can I come with you? Like, don't leave, don't leave, I wanna stay. So he's like, no, 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 stay here, stay here. I've got a very important job to you, for you to do. Go and tell everyone what God has done for you. That is our story. That is our story. If you have truly responded to the person and work of Jesus, you'll have this urge and compassion to want to be with him to live is Christ, to die is gain. You want to be with him, but at the same time, you're like, oh, other people got to know about this. Because if it was all about just like being with Jesus right here, right now, as soon as we become Christians, we'd be off. Let's go, Jesus, off to heaven. Let's do this. Party time, wedding supper of the Lamb. But Jesus says to all of us, stay where you are. Hang around for a bit longer. This message of the gospel, of what I have come to do. It's not only for you, it's for the whole world. Hang out, stay a bit longer. Yes, there's a time where everything is great and we're all gonna, we will be together again, we will be. But right now, stay, bear witness 
to the gospel. Tell people of what has happened in your life. Share your story. Share your encounter of Jesus. Tell them of how you were once naked and living in the tombs and now you've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ and he's given you this wonderful task. And that is all of us. Saved from sin for mission. It's what we celebrate at the, in the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism representing the washing away of our sin, dying to our old life, raising again to our new life. It's really significant that we do baptism as this flag in the ground, big magnificent moment of who we are as followers of Jesus. Dying with Christ, raised again, washed, cleaned, purified, and now... That is also your priestly commission to go and be a minister of the gospel. Because people will look at you and like, man, you're different. What happened to you? Last time I saw you, you were nude. (laughs) Well, I met this guy called Jesus. You know, I'm still working some things out. But let me tell you, I do not worry like I used to. I'm still working some things out. But man, let me tell you, I'm not afraid to die. What a message. What a message. Yeah, COVID has been tough, but I know that through the whole time, I actually have never truly been alone. Only a Christian can say that. So this man, he not only learns about the identity of Jesus to take him from begging, don't torment me, to... Uh, don't leave me. He also lives out the true message of the gospel of Jesus, doesn't he? He experiences God's relentless pursuit over his life. He experiences his liberation from evil. He experiences being clothed. He experiences being put into community. He experiences given, being given a purpose for his life now with God. Have you had that experience? Do you want to have that experience? Or maybe are you in the midst or in the middle of that experience? Fascinating in this encounter is not only what is mentioned, but what is also not mentioned. In this encounter we see today, there's, there's, no, there's no articulation that this man has, has expressed his... It doesn't say that he's had faith. It doesn't say that he's had a specific belief. It just, like, it's, it's there, right? Like we see by the end, by the end of it, by his sending moment, he, he, he knows who Jesus is. There's a faith and a trust in Jesus. But there's no moment in this whole story of when that occurred. And I think it's really helpful to see this, 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 this slight detail that Luke leaves out because it actually goes to show that there's been this whole journey that this once demon-possessed man, he, he had gone on and the, Jesus had basically just thrust him into and pulled him through. And I think, that, I think that's there for us today, that if, if we are in this space between, I don't know if I want Jesus to leave... But I also don't know if I want him to stay. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm still trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is. He seems quite 
attractive and good and I want to lean into that, but I'm here in the middle. If that's you, if, if that's what you feel, if, 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 if you, I want to say that if you're on that journey, like we see with this demon-possessed man, I want to encourage you, don't fight it. I want to encourage you to don't wrestle against it. I just, I want, I want, it, I want you to see from understanding the person and work of Jesus today that if you, you, can, you can submit to, you can yield to the gentle, loving lead of Jesus through this time, and that will be a good thing for you. I want to encourage you just to keep letting Jesus do the work. And I want to encourage you to keep taking steps of faith towards the light of the world. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to be someone that keeps praying. Praying those prayers like, oh man, only God can answer this. Those prayers are awesome. Like if we're a people that genuinely, genuinely believe in the sovereignty of God, like don't tell people not to pray. God does some awesome things with those prayers of people that are truly seeking him. I want to encourage you, if you're in that journey, open up the Bible and let Jesus speak to him for himself. Don't go and read a blog by some person that is going to tell you about Jesus. Let Jesus speak. Don't let someone tell you who Jesus is. Let Jesus tell you who Jesus is. I want to encourage you to, wherever you are, just lean into the gift of Christian community and, and the church family. This is a place for you to work things out. This is a place for you to come and be accepted. You don't have to clean yourself up and be good enough to be in this church. That's not what church is. If that was the case, no one would be here. <laughs> if we all had to get ourselves right and to be a, you know, to be, you know, have it all together, no one would be here. Like you don't want to see the like you know like we don't have to you know, we don't have to have it all together. We're just all on a journey seeking Jesus. He has it all together. We put our trust in Him. We put our faith in Him. So as we close, <clears throat> let me say uh, for those of you that do that do know Jesus as someone where. You want to say, don't leave me. You're no longer saying, don't torment me, but you are saying, don't leave me. As we close today, I want to encourage you that if, if, if that's your heart towards Christ, that is an amazing place to be. That is a wonderful encouragement to realize. Because when you know this, when you know that you don't want Jesus to leave you, you know that evil no longer has a hold of you. Okay? Remember that. Be encouraged by that and seek to walk in that. Because if you're looking at your life through the lens of Christ, if you're seeking to obey him and follow his lead and to be doing life for his glory and not your own, that's a beautiful, beautiful posture to live in. To be teachable and to be humble, to be open, to be grown in your faith and to be loved by God as he seeks to reveal more of himself to you. So I'm going to pray now, and, um, and we'll have some time to reflect. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Son of the Most High God. We thank you for the way that you have come into our life, that you have relentlessly pursued us, 
that more than sailing across the lake, you have come off your heavenly throne and in a beautiful act of divine condescension, you have been able to identify with us so that you can, through your power, call us home. Help us every day to show our belief and trust and faith in you by living after you. Help us every day to not get caught up into what the world says that you are, but help us to keep remembering who you say you are. And help us to be a people who truly respond to know the community that we've called to be in, to know the mission that you've set us on, and also just to be able to enjoy doing life with you, knowing that you are always with us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.